Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Welcome back to On the Up and Up. I'm so excited to introduce you all to one of my dear friends and knows all my secrets, bury a dead body with her, like hardcore, like people, people that I trust, not only in business, but also in life, Alicia Kumar. Um, Now, Alicia, we met, which we'll talk a little bit about, but it's not that important, to be honest. We just met through the pandemic, and then we kind of hit it off. We talked a little bit more about that on her podcast, which if it hasn't come out yet, then we'll make sure and link it, so stay stay tuned. Um, But we are going to talk a lot today about the redirection of the way that business has gone over the past few years through the big bubble, tuning into yourself, building solid relationships with your team, and also just like trying to have fun while running a business so that we can keep doing it because it's freaking exhausting. And if it's always serious all the time, then I'd rather die. So on that note, Alicia, give us the professional bio so that I don't shortchange you and then we'll dive in. Like, do I even know my professional bio? Um, I guess a little bit about me is I've been in marketing, PR, and events for what's going to be 14 years this year. So I'm definitely aging myself. Fuck that. I'm 34. Um, and I own a marketing agency called The Social Project. We have worked with small businesses all the way to multi-billion dollar ones. And what else? I own a podcast called Here for a Good Time. And that is where I go to have a really freaking good time with amazing guests like Kira. Oh, yeah. So here's my thing. Social media is an absolute, like for someone like me that came from a really traditional environment, social media is like all of it. Like it's the worst. It's the best. It's the craziest. It's the easiest. It's the funnest. It's the most self-explanatory. It's the least self-explanatory. It's all of it all the time. And it's always changing. Why do you want to do that for a job? Well, that's why it's transitioning so much. But one thing that I love about social media, and this might seem cliche, you might have heard other people say it, but I love that it's online and you can connect with anybody anywhere and really realize that we have a lot of things in common as opposed to different. And it's all on these little apps, you know, whether that's Pinterest or TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, doesn't really matter. I think there's so much connection there. And I really love not only connecting with people myself, but also connecting people with others and being like, hey, this would be great. And you two could be friends or do a collab together or whatever that looks like. And so I think that connection piece has always been so big for me throughout my entire life that it just made sense for me to have that aspect of my marketing career um, really focus on social media. And it, it really does put you in front of a lot of different personalities. And I think that what do you think it is about you, specifically you as a leader, as a founder, as a podcaster, that's like you're, you know, multi- multi-talented, multi-passionate, like what is it about your personality that is continuing to drive you in the direction of staying on this path and even through the pivots that we'll talk about later? Totally. I think it's not only my dedication to the craft of marketing 
and how it changes over time because you gotta think I started 14 years ago when you know we were doing billboards and um, I mean billboards are coming back but <laughs> billboards and radio ads and TV and stuff like that which then transitioned into social media itself but there was yeah this dedication to the craft but also our clients too and making sure that hey I know all of this stuff why could I not help you you know grow your business with the tools that I have because then, hello, it's a win-win across the board. One thing I learned from you is early on, before we had worked with too many social media agencies or businesses were hiring specifically for a social media person, but it wasn't a social media business. So it was kind of a new role that they weren't 100% sure how to navigate, is the, the really specific breadth of social media as a position. Like you can't just say social media manager, throw it on a piece of paper and call it something like there's actually so many nuances to it. So I know you probably see a lot of people out there advertising for different positions like this. I think a lot of people that have feel complicated feelings about social media like me are like, great, social media manager can be my first hire. Can you speak a little bit to some of the mistakes that you see people making when they're outsourcing or even bringing it in house in what they're looking for, what they're missing, the nuance? Nuances, that deeper level of what it is that you actually do. Totally. When I'm thinking, or what I think it comes down to when it comes to social media managers is social media manager is very different than a social media marketer. Those in itself is very, very different. And then you have a marketer as a whole that looks at your business holistically and is looking at, you know, not only your paid, but also organic and emails and whatever else is incorporated into that, um, that it almost sits under this umbrella term of, oh, here's a marketer and then here's everything underneath it. But when it comes to a social media manager, one thing that I always see, people just don't know what they want with their business. And so whether they don't have their product suite ready or they're constantly changing their mind on certain things or, you know, with product-based businesses, it's always, hey, I want to come out with this new product next week. Well, it's like, no, we have a campaign running next week. We actually can't do that. So let's reel it back because it's so easy to get so excited about your products, which we love, but at the same time, let's make it make sense for you to optimize everything. And so there's the overexcited piece mixed with no strategy in there as well. Cause you have the social media manager that's great at posting whenever you need to post is great at maybe engaging and finding you hashtags and stuff like that. But there's no rhyme or reason to the, what they're doing because they don't have that marketing aspect to it. They can't see how the two pieces link together for like the whole totally. picture. So if you were to interview somebody and whether, you know, they were to work for you or even like maybe sit in on an interview, if I wanted to bring somebody like this in-house, what would be a question that you would ask or what what would you want to find out about somebody to make sure that they weren't just BSing us and have just spent just as much time on TikTok and Instagram as we have and they've read all the tips and tricks? Like, what would you want to know to be like, they're the real one, like they're nice, but no. <laughs> I think depending on whether I am hiring a social media marketer versus a manager, um, if I was hiring a man or a marketer, I would want to know that they know how to run a full campaign, figuring out, you know, okay, what are we going to do with the analytics? Why do we need analytics? What are we learning from it? How are we changing things from that? Why are you creating the copy that you're creating? Are you making sure that the target audience is being targeted properly with the copy and the videos and whatever else you're creating. Um, whereas if I was hiring a social media manager, I would want to make sure that, you know, they were on top of posting things and making sure that things get executed when they need to get executed in a timely manner. 
So just depending on which one you're looking for, I think there's so many different questions that you could be asking, but also asking yourself if like you as a business owner know what you want with your business. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of maybe there's a lot of misnomers in hiring anyways. A lot of what we're doing is helping people educate and, and learn the difference between the different, the different positions. But I feel like, is there a specific type of business that you think would be better served by using an experienced agency like yours or someone that has like multifaceted experience? Is there specific businesses that work well with an agency model versus hiring somebody to do your posting and stuff for like internally that you don't really have to know much about and just check the tasks off the list? What do those businesses look like that would work best with you? I think it just depends on what you are wanting your business to do. So I know I see it in the e-commerce space a lot of times. They do hire a social media manager, but they you know, forget their abandoned cart emails and all these other things. And they're just essentially leaving sales on the table or money on the table. I hate that term, by the way. I don't know why I said it. But it's just little things like that that wouldn't be caught with somebody who has been in an agency or runs an agency. And we've been doing this you know, for years on years. And those things are just things that we do. Like they're mm-hmm. not something we second question or don't think about. It's like, hey, we came into your business. These are the things that you're missing. Here's you know, what we're gonna get into place. And now let's expand. Whereas having somebody in house, you only get that one set of eyes on everything and it gets super overwhelming. And so you know, when you have an agency, you have a few different skill sets on board. So you have your you know, graphic designer, somebody who's really strong at creatives. You have your analytical person who's driving your ads and figuring out, okay, how can we make the most out of the ad dollars that we're putting in everything? And then you have your copywriter who really gets every single hook every time and it converts or whatever it does. So really looking at, okay, what can I afford as well? Um, because there are differences between having somebody in-house as opposed to an agency sometimes. And what will that look like in terms of my business growth too? Is this agency going to grow with us? There's businesses that I've been alongside with for, you know, two to three years, as opposed to some that just don't work out and we're with them for six months and they need somebody in-house because they're growing at a certain rate or, you know, they need certain things happening where they're stationed. So just depends on what you want your business to look like. Yeah. So it really is like a person, not person by person, but business by business of your goals and what the time, it sounds like also the time you want to invest and the level of knowledge that you have in order to develop that team member. The the thing we really don't want people doing is hiring, and you can t- let me know if you disagree with this, but I don't want people out there hiring a social media manager or a marketing manager or something like that when they don't actually know how to manage them because then you're just kind of hiring someone and saying, here's a list, and then they're kind of out there on their own. They can't be developed. They can't be trained. They can't learn. They're going to turn over. So it's really hard for people like, I'm an HR person. Like, I have been in business for a long time. I know a lot about marketing, but like, if I hire a marketing manager, they got to have like, they're bringing the experience to me. So, but you still want to be able to meet them where they're at. Like you have to be able to help them understand what's expected of them and be able to coach them and develop them. An agency is such a good way to kind of subvert that and have your marketing still reflect a really high level of leadership, which I love about your agency. Um, now on that note, you have been on quite the journey. We always, on every episode, we want to try to understand 
you know, we're on the up and up. Like we're trying to change the way that people think about having a job and, and being at work and things like that. Um, but we're also legal <laughs> and we are doing things on the up and up and we're making sure that our contracts are good and we're making sure that our people are treated fairly and that we're meeting compliance standards and all of that stuff. And what we've noticed through all of our guests is that everybody has some tragic horror story from their past, from their work experience that informs who they've become as a leader or who they've become as as a business owner. So can you talk a little bit about your origin story, your experience, where you came from prior to being an entrepreneur and what some of those experiences have taught you about how you want to lead others? Totally. I have always been in the marketing space. Um, so, you know, worked for kind of a small business when I first started off and did events and marketing for them and slowly started social media and stuff. And it was a great team. I loved working with the small business. There was so much heart behind their brand. And then when I went into more of an executive role in corporate and started, you know, working with brands like Pepsi and Adidas as, you know, partnerships and marketing and stuff like that, I was A, the only woman on the exec team, and I was the only person of color. And so when my contract came up, I was like, shit, I really want to do something so different beyond this because I felt like I didn't belong. So instead of renewing my contract with them, I was like, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go figure it out somewhere else. And so I was in like this random HR role, actually, um, for about a year and a half while I was figuring my business out. And it always came back to marketing and creating space for women in the marketing space. So, you know, regardless of what we're doing, and so that's why the social project came to be what it is and so our team is you know always women or people who identify as women and just trying to figure out why we're so intimidated by the marketing space it is a very very male dominated white male dominated space um who i love to date but i don't want to be up against them all the time when it comes to getting fucking contracts so I, you know, I just saw that huge gap. And also being at this really big marketing conference when I started my agency back in 2019, I was at a marketing conference and I was like one of the only women agency owners in the room. And I was like, why is this the case? And there was a guy on stage and he was sharing how he created this really off-putting to him, it was like magnificent. But to me, as a woman, it was so off-putting. And I was actually there with a girlfriend at the time. And I remember just looking at her and being like, is this for real? But it was for an anti-aging cream for women that I'm like, what are you doing? Um, And so right in that moment, I think something clicked and I was like, okay, something's gonna change. And we just have to be a bit bolder when it comes to, you know, everything that these guys are doing, why can't we do the same? Yeah, and we would better serve it because what are you talking about? Like (laughs) the male gaze or like the viewpoint or whatever. Yeah, we see that a lot. I mean, I feel like in marketing in particular and then also in entrepreneurship, it feels like the voices that are the loudest and the voices that are the most uplifted aren't always the people that should be talking about the products or services or, you know, anything like that. Like, it's like, really, dude? Like, you don't. anyway, yeah, that's besides the point, I guess. Um, but you mentioned a little bit, and I hope that you're cool with talking about this, but I think you are. Um, you mentioned a little bit about feeling like you didn't belong, especially as a woman and a, and a woman of color. And what... What have you seen in the online business remote space that has reflected a change or a lack thereof? I'd love to know what your observation is as a woman of color in regards to how this has developed. 
What an interesting question. I think there's two sides to this. So from what I've observed, yes, there's, you know, more of a chance for women to be found along with women of color and agency owners and some of the opportunities that I've been presented with or have, you know, grasped onto being in the online space and the opportunities that I've gotten along with my team. I'm like, had I been in a corporate space or anywhere else, this probably would be way over my head. Um, However, I also look at things like launching courses and people's Instagrams blowing up and stuff like that. And I'm like, if I was a white woman doing this and like selling courses and having an agency, I would probably at this point where we are in society, I'd probably be way further along and, you know, be at the 50, 60, 70 K followers or whatever than I am right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. Like I even notice as a white woman on my posts, if it's, it could be like the biggest piece of gold ever. And Mm -hmm. if it's not my face, my white girl face on the post, it won't perform. But I Mm -hmm. post some dumb picture of me like, you know, posing and photoshopped to the fucking roof. And it's like my highest performing post every month. I've completely stopped looking at Instagram analytics because it's like, well, if it's a picture of my face, like looking kind of cute and edited, then it's going to do really well. But nobody actually read it. You know, so it's kind of weird. Like, it's a weird it, and I'm not I'm not saying that like poor me. Like, if anything, I'm I'm like backing you up in that sense of like, is it the patriarchy or is it like, am I really just that hot? You know, like, it's like <laughs> I, I love that about my friends. I'm like, you know what? I have some of the best looking friends like ever. Um, and a lot of us are in the online space, but it really makes me question of like, how far have we really gotten? Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe we did think that we were getting somewhere a couple of years ago, but, you know, being in this space now, I'm like, has anything really changed? And mind you, I, you know, love that at least I get to have this space and have women in my corner like you or, you know, whoever else to put me into rooms and be like, oh, I just did this podcast. You know, you would be great for it. I'm going to do an intro. Stuff like that, I think little steps like that make the biggest difference and if more of you know our community could do stuff like that then it would just i think make such a difference Mm -hmm. you might not think it would but it does yeah and i think that it's okay to i feel safe asking you things that i might be afraid to ask other women of color that i don't know well Mm -hmm. and i think it's important to cultivate relationships and friendships that are not going to repeat back to you something that is an echo chamber, something that you always are, you know, you're going to hear from everybody else. Like I literally we're onboarding a new employee next week and I just joke that it's just like all my blonde employees and all their blonde children. And I like specifically joke about it. But in a sense of like, we need to take responsibility for bringing diversity into our team. So the way we're going to do that is make sure that we are paying women of color for our contractor services, paying women of color whenever every chance we get. But I just booked um, working with an ads agency and I booked with a woman of color by choice two proposals next to each other because it's important to make sure that we're taking account accountability but also like I'm not here to save anybody like I've learned that but I also need a I want to be able to go and say hey Alicia like I heard this thing like is that fucked up or what it's like I don't know like you know people will just kind of tell you what you want to hear and I don't think we have made it that far and like I want to talk about one other little thing there's 
this really fun thing about the online space, which is that you get to curate exactly how you look because you get to be from the neck up and you get to decide what I could. I'm wearing like the absolutely most like tra- tragic <laughs> pants, no shoes. I haven't gotten a pedicure in 86 years. Like it's all a big disaster, whatever. Like I don't even buy like anything that wouldn't look good on camera anymore, you know, and I also find myself in it as a, per- a person that exists in a bigger body nervous about going to in-person events that people are going to see me for who I really am based on my body's going to look totally different. And, you know, I look different than I would on camera. It's not as curated. I don't have the filters. You know, there's a certain amount of anxiety that comes with that. And I think it has, at least for me, been really freeing to be in the online space and be like, I get to show these what I want and be the best version of myself, but also or, you know, the best version of myself in the box that the patriarchy says I should be. Um, But also, like, I still have I still exist in the rest of the world. So it's almost like this weird dichotomy. I wonder if you can speak on that experience a little bit, especially as a woman of color, when it probably feels really powerful to be able to curate so many things around you when you're at times being oppressed and put in different situations than a white chick like me would be. Totally. And it's so funny that you bring that up because I actually just did a TikTok and got so much positive feedback from it of had I been skinnier, I probably, even as a woman of color, I probably would get a lot further than, you know, or I don't feel like I'm skinny enough to be successful. I think there's a correlation there as well. I mean, a lot of it's probably just in my head um, and, you know, my own trauma to deal with. But then I also think about what you just spoke about is I get to be the person from like here up and that's it. Um, nobody sees once again I'm in like the weirdest sweats too that it has like initials because I like they're my like old rugby sweats from high school and I'm like why do I have this um, <laughs> but we get to be this person online that almost I think we get to be who we really want to be um, from like here up mm-hmm. and I I don't know it's a tough one too because growing up how you said you know you don't really feel like you belong. I haven't felt like that ever because I've always been too Western for my South Asian friends and I haven't been Western enough for my Western friends. So I'm in like this weird kind of like, I wear cowboy boots, but then I like also really love butter chicken and whatever else. So I'm like, who am I? Like, what am I really doing? Um, And just figuring it out. But there, yeah, have been many times where I'm like, oh shit, if I was only, you know, checking all these other boxes I would probably be doing, you know, six figure months or whatever it is. I think there is so much there that has to be unpacked. And I don't know if I want to be the person to do it, to be really honest. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the, yeah, I mean, I did. I saw your TikTok and that's why I wanted to like prompt a little bit of it because there's something super raw and real and vulnerable. And again, we'll just have to cater everybody over to your podcast to listen to like all the real, real stuff because we're going to try to be professional here on this HR podcast. Um, But I think that it's really powerful because I also feel like the confidence that you get from being able to curate the what you how you appear and what you look like to the people around you is such an empowering professional feeling. Like, I know I can walk into a sales call on a Zoom meeting with, you know, looking like a tragedy from the waist down and like still show up confidently and stepping into myself. And I know that if I like I I sent an email to a local business and I was like, I'm also happy to do our meeting in person and bring you all breakfast. And I was like, (gasps) 
he's gonna see me in person. Like, what's gonna happen? Like, how is it? There's a, what is a, you know, like it was just like, he's never gonna book. He's gonna find out the real me. And it's like, okay, calm down, you basic white bitch. Like your life is not that hard. But also like what it's, it's perpetuating this ideal that I can only be confident in certain spaces. And I can only create a space where I'm not judged if I interact with certain people. And it's not really helping. Like, I'm not really helping anyone who may be a woman of color who may not have the privileges that I have by not showing up as my full self and by curating every experience that people see of me. And I've noticed that in working with teams is that we end up with these amazing people that have haven't been able to succeed or find their path in a traditional work environment because they're judged for how they look, they're judged for disabilities, they're judged for how they show up. And we're able to create these teams that are creating amazing opportunities, speaking to, like you said earlier, about putting women in the room with other women and people with all different varying backgrounds to find their common ground instead of just creating a bunch of echo chambers with like old white dudes telling us about anti-aging cream, like, please, goodbye. Like, no. Um, but on that note, you have been on like, what What do you what do you think about all of that and how it's developed over time? Because you've been in the game for a long time. And I know that we already kind of touched on this a little bit, but do you feel like you get more confidence from being able to show up online in a curated space? Or do you feel like you are itching to get out there in person and push the boundaries a little bit? Or like, how are you feeling about the way things are going now that we're not kind of confined to our offices anymore? Yeah, I actually almost feel the opposite. Like I would rather show up in person because I feel like I get to show up as myself really. Whereas it's just so exhausting for me to show up online as a certain way and you know, overthink every video that I'm putting out or every story that I'm about to share and stuff like that. And is my hair flying over here and whatever else is going on. So I almost think the opposite is like, you want to meet in person? Let's do it. Like you might want to date me, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, <laughs> but get in line. Okay. <laughs> but I think there's like just way too much pressure that I put on myself when it does come to showing up online a certain way, because I'm like, oh, if I show up like this, then people are going to think A, B, and C of me of like, oh, she's not put together or, you know, like, who is she to be talking about this or whatever goes on in my head. Um, whereas like in person, I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to show up as myself because that's more than enough. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of like deep inner work that we have to do ourselves, And we almost like keep perpetuating this narrative of be who you want to be here, whatever, um, and show up a certain way online because we're also feeding from that from other people and what they're sharing out there as well. So it's like yeah. a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's such a catch-22 because I'm like, am I actually helping the situation or am I just making it worse? Like, right. with the filters, like, I'm like, I'm going to stop using filters on stories. And then I'm like, well, God, I'm judging myself so hard. I'm just not going to post a story. So it's like, yeah. well, then I should just use the filter and post the damn story because I know that it's going to help somebody. But then it's like, but now I'm using the filter and I'm making it worse. It's like, it's just this constant cycle. And it's like, Okay, listen, I actually hate myself right now. I sound like so vapid and like none of this matters in the grand scheme of the world. But I think it is just a little like example of like how do we navigate being leaders in an industry that is blowing up without sacrificing our own mental health and our own well-being and our own confidence and our own ability to feel comfortable and feel like we're creating spaces that are safe for ourselves too. It's like, it feels impossible sometimes. There's no real right answer. Except for just to get more diverse people in the room so that we don't feel like we stick out like a sore thumb if we're not blonde and skinny and six feet tall. 
Right. But then there's also <laughs> the question of, you know, people wondering if they belong in those rooms and like, how do we get those people into rooms besides, you know, myself or a few other women of color, if they don't know if they can be there or have mm-hmm. those opportunities shared to them. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's once again, uh, it's a problem, but I can only do as much as I can do dealing mm-hmm. with my own stuff at the same time, but also <laughs> asking yourself, why am I feeling like this? Why do I feel like I need to be a certain way? And it's usually a pro- or a question, three or four questions below that, you know, tied to some trauma that we've gone through. And it really has nothing to do with anybody online and what the color of their skin is or anything like that. It might have to do with, you know, maybe being bullied for the color of your skin or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. it doesn't affect, or it shouldn't affect your success. Like you should still show up authentically and I know everybody's like, well, what does that even mean? And it's like, just show up as you. I think we're missing that so much because everybody sounds the same. Everybody looks the same. Everybody's dressed the same. Like, do whatever you want online. None, none mm-hmm. of it's going to matter like in a few years anyways. Right. And like, I think we think that the world is what we see, but like my algorithm is completely different from yours. So it's Mm -hmm. like the things that I see online may be completely different than what you're seeing online, but we're both thinking we're living in the same world because there's some crossover and commonality. So I don't know. I've just, I've been challenging myself to like, even on like TikTok and stuff to like scroll past the things that I might actually like gravitate towards or be interested in and like try to lean into the things that look a little bit different than what I may normal pay, pay, normally pay attention to. And I'm on some weird TikTok now, but I am learning a lot, a lot, and particularly about dumplings. Um, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Soup dumpling game has been a life changer. They're so good. I literally ate them for lunch. Ta- the Trader Joe's one, steam in the bag. So easy. Love them. Can't stop. <laughs> Right? I know, I know. I'm for it. I'm on, like, cowboy TikTok. Once again, I'm the girl that wears guys. So I'm, the, I'm on the right side of TikTok. <laughs> I'm you like, made okay, it. now do I need to move to Montana or something? Like, what's going on here, Alicia? Well, also, occasionally, I will get the algorithm changes to, like, just hot guys kind of, like, looking at the camera and, like, moving their hair around. I don't know if you've gotten those guys. They have, like, so many fall. Fo- I think they're maybe models or something, but they're just, like, and they're just like, I don't know. I mean, this is a podcast so you can't see, but I'm making like very sexy faces. Um, but then I'm like, oh, like I'm going to like this one. So I get more of these. And then Eric walks by and he's like, what are you doing? Like, are you on OnlyFans? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like zooming in. Like, no, I'm just kidding. No, but I think there's just like something really funny about how on one TikTok you can get like this like kind of amazing business advice about something that's going to change the way you think about the way you run your business or the way you make money and the way you support your family or whatever. And the next one is like some guy like winking at you with like a cowboy hat on and like a very large amount of body oil. Like it's like I'm in a world where that's possible and I have to be grateful for it. (laughs) Well, that's all you can do. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about, I mean, we could go on another tangent, but I think we already did that on your podcast. So when you are ready for a good time, go to here for a good time. Listen to that one too, if you haven't already. But regardless, I want to talk a little bit about your team because you've been building an agency for a long time. You are super high level, have such a massive amount of experience, and you've recently decided to change directions. Um, Not like a total departure, but like a tiny pivot. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because I think it's important for us to have permission to do those things that are good for us. So tell us the story. Yeah, I think it's just a redirection of the business and it was a long time coming. 
And so going into owning an agency, I didn't know I wanted to own an agency and what that would even look like when I first started because I hadn't worked for an agency before. I was in corporate, I was working for a small business. It wasn't something that I knew I could build. And so as I slowly started to hire people and both of like my two right hands have both been great. And, you know, at different times, um, I think that aspect of it, it was almost like me fighting of like, okay, what is this even going to look like? How am I going to make sure it's profitable? Because running an agency is very different than having a contractor on the side or something like that. Um, the amount of revenue that needs to be coming in, your expenses, it's just a whole different ball game. And so, you know, when I got into last year and the idea of my podcast came to be and I started to really lean into who I was and step more into that, I was like, oh, this podcasting sounds really great. Like, I want to start slowly building my own personal brand. And so when we finally launched early this year, I think I was so excited about it and other people around me were so excited about it because it finally felt like the right thing in my life. Um, There wasn't as much attention to my agency as I should have been putting in. And so, you know, I fully take responsibility of like, I wasn't really focusing on sales for the agency and like what that would look like. Meanwhile, I have a team that I have to pay and what they were always getting paid on time and stuff like that. And so was I, Um, I didn't have that pipeline of leads coming through, which is so key when you are a business owner. Um, When we started to lose clients, my, you know, at that time, right hand, and I made the mutual decision of like, hey, it's time for her to probably leave because I knew I would resent myself if I kept her on and wasn't paying myself. Um, And so there was that disconnect. And I was like, I also forgot why I even started this agency. I was so deep in operations of the agency that I was never in the marketing campaigns for clients or anything like that. And so I was so removed from that. So when I finally dissolved the entire team, even contractors and stuff, and got back into the actual, you know, marketing aspect of it with the clients that stayed around along with new clients coming on now. Um, I really felt like I was like, oh, this is the stuff I really like to do. It's marketing. And that took away from so much of that because I was so busy building this agency that essentially I feel like society told me I needed to build. And so it was like a mix of society and also my own ego. I will be fully transparent of those two things um, that told me I needed to build this thing that had to be larger than life and be the next Gary Vee of, you know, agency owners and really do things differently. And so, yeah, that was essentially the redirection. So now we still have like the management going on along with fractional CMO um, that I am in a few businesses, which is so exciting because I get to see these businesses who are like right over here and take them to like this next level of business and really, you know, figure out their product suite and their marketing as a whole, not only just their social media, but we're looking at their events and their, you know, revenue and everything. And so, yeah, it's just really exciting. And then really leaning into the podcast and having fun with that. I feel like that's where my personality shines. It's who I get to be myself as and show up authentically how I told everybody else to show up as. And yeah, just be really okay with that. It's okay that I am, you know, not the South Asian girl who has the agency and stuff like that. I'm the South Asian girl that talks about relationships and friendships and sex and 
my parents still don't know that I have a podcast um, doing all of that. <laughs> but <laughs> that is who I get to be. And so I just get to really lean into that and figure out, okay, this is what really lights me up. And I know it's so cliche of doing things that you're really passionate about, but I don't feel like I really understood that and being in alignment until I started the podcast and I saw the feedback that I was getting and the conversations I got to have and I have merch like whoever thought I you know I never thought in a million years that I would have a line of merch coming out like what that's Um, so cool so just things like that I'm just like wow this is what I really want to be doing and it's okay to change your mind about things I think that is one thing I have learned in any aspect of life whether it was business friends relationships it is okay to change your mind about things after you've learned certain information. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we never want to put anyone in a position to, you know, come and take a job with us and then we rip the rug out from under them. But there is a way to be like, you know, not to use the buzzword of the year, but or the century authentic in your leadership as well to say, like, let's experiment. Let's see what we should do here. And like build those relationships like you had with Nikki that I got to see. And like you guys joked with me about, like, don't tell Kira that we did that weird thing. HR's here, you know. Um, but it was just I'm just gonna put that out there. I don't know. And I think it was it's just those little things that like I think giving yourself permission to try without but just like consider the people. And I think that that's some of the things that we really want to fight against is like, I don't really want people to throw shit at the wall, like see what sticks when it comes to humans. Like if you're not sure, we can actually strategically create a person for you to be, to have a number two, but also pick a person that isn't going to be devastated if you change your mind in six months. They're going to be able to get another job. They're going to be able to pursue another opportunity. You know, they're going to have valuable experience that they can pull and drag on to get them into a higher space. Like we can create those, those, those building blocks for other people while still experimenting in our own business. And yeah, I know the agency thing is really complicated because a lot of our clients are agency owners. That's where there's employees coming in, stuff like that. What, you know, when you were running this successful agency for such a long time, what is something at the peak of, you know, the performance and things like that, that you would caution to agency owners that maybe people aren't hearing out there from all the like, agency business coaches and, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, rah, 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 do the thing. Like, what is a piece of advice that you wish you could have given to yourself at the peak of things where things were really rocking and rolling? Yeah. Rocking it's and rolling. It's what I said. <laughs> Sorry. I won't judge you for that one. Um. <laughs> what a, I became Elvis all of a sudden. That's <laughs> what I said earlier was you keep that pipeline of leads constantly going just because you're hitting, you know, X amount, you know, of revenue each month doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever because monthly reoccurring revenue, yes, it's great, but it changes very quickly as well. And it can change from one month to two months later. And so just have that pipeline of leads coming through all the time. And the, I think one thing I tell all business owners is yes, marketing is great. It's what I do for a living. Obviously, I'm biased and obsessed, but the number one skill that any business owner can have is sales, period. Like, there's literally nothing else. It's sales. 
I love that. And it's it's such practical advice because I feel like there's you can break that down, that advice down into a marketing campaign and a sales mm-hmm. plan and, a, you know, an intensive with a coach and a sales pipeline and an ad strategy. And you can break it down into all these little things. So there's so much place for creativity. So I love that your advice is also motivated by what you love to create and do for other businesses. So on that note... How can people work with you? How can they pay you? We call this the desperation minute. Where do they follow you? Where do they find you? They're going to have all the links so you don't have to spell stuff. Um, but, you know, just kind of like share how you help businesses and and who you would want to reach out to you from if they loved you from this podcast to make sure that they can get your expertise under their business. Yeah. You slide into my DMs on Instagram. But I typically work with business owners who, you know, have their marketing in place, but now need to look at the bigger picture. So I'm a big, bigger picture girl getting down to every single detail of your business. So yes, you're doing the Instagram posting and stuff like that, but you're really ready for more and you're ready for, you know, the larger campaigns. We have Black Friday coming up, which I absolutely love. Like I cannot wait to dissect all these different marketing um, campaigns going on with all these brands, but you are really ready to, you know, have a brand as opposed to just a business. And so I think that's who I love working with is these brand builders. And yeah, I can come in as a done for you marketer or a fractional CMO, maybe, if I have a spot <laughs> left. Um, I'm kind of high in demand, no. Um, <laughs> or you can come hang out on the podcast and just come for a good time. Yeah, I love it. Well, Alicia, you're the best. Thank you so much for being here. So many, there is just so much that people can learn from you. And I hope that they, anyone that's listening that needs help with marketing and knows that they don't have that leader, that lead pipeline coming in, you don't have to suffer. Like you can reach out and get really strategic help. Just make sure that you're doing it from somebody who knows what they're doing. Like Alicia, signed, sealed, and delivered. Here, What? Am I, like, making poetry? Like, I can't with my words today. Anyway, I'm linking all her shit. Like, thank you for listening. See you on next week's episode. (laughs) If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.